Well, good morning. How we doing? Good. Everybody feeling rested, ready to engage all that stuff this morning? Good. I, well, a few of you. Okay, great. I hesitate to ask for more engagement um, because, uh, uh, well, really one main reason is that I love to hear the amens, but if you're asking generally for more engagement, you also have to take the good try, Pastor, or, <laughs> or I don't know, try again. And in fact, I've actually been in services, not preaching, fortunately for me, but been in services where I've, I've seen that kind of feedback. So you guys just keep doing what you're doing. That's great. So, <laughs> hey, uh, we are in the third week of our series called In East Tennessee As It Is In Heaven, and We're trying to answer this question, what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God here and now on earth? And so far we've talked about the idea that we should uh, expect to enter into the character of God and ask for his power, that these things work best when they flow and work together. And then last week we talked about um, how sin not only leads to eternal death, but to the death of things in and around us, Uh, the death of our own hearts, the death of our relationships, the death of our purpose, but how Jesus uh, ultimately leads to the life of something, the life of our souls, the life of our relationships, the life of our purpose. And we talked a lot about this idea of self-denial. But I had a question for us this week. What would it look like for us to be so immersed in this new life with Jesus, that self-denial doesn't necessarily feel like denial anymore. That we're so into this fullness of life with Jesus that, that we're so focused on, on this new life that we say, it doesn't even seem like I'm denying myself, I'm just entering into this fullness. It happens uh, with two things. One is the power of the Holy Spirit and through spiritual practices. Uh, We're going to talk through some spiritual practices here today. Um, Does anybody here speak another language, multiple languages? Anyone? Okay. Good for you guys. A couple. I thought there'd be more than that, but um, not me. I don't. I barely speak English, so I'm focused just on English. But, But if you told me, Dallas, I need you to speak a new language right now, I could have the best effort possible, the best focus, just be laser focused on speaking a new language. The problem is, short of a Holy Spirit intervention, I would not be able to speak that language. But if I began to train and practice and slowly learn over time, I would be able to speak that language and if I began to immerse myself in the culture that speaks that language, I would slowly learn more and more and leave the old language behind. Now, I'm not going to do that, but just as an example, my point is that as we enter into newness of life, we should not expect to just be able to respond the way that Jesus responds to situations. We still have a lot of practice in our old life, and we need to practice what it looks like to enter into this new life. Uh, We'll talk today through two types of responses to any given situation, 
the first one is a reactive response. The second one is a reflective response. Uh, and what I mean by a reactive response is this. This is our old nature. It's our instinctual nature. It's often our first thought, our impulse, the thing that just naturally and easily flows out of us, and it's the thing that we're trying to move away from. And then our reflective response is to stop and recognize our new life, to intentionally embrace the Jesus response, the response that we hope then over time becomes more and more natural to us. Um, An example of this is when my wife Morgan asks me to pick something up at the store on on the way home. Uh, My reactive response for a long time has been, don't you understand what my days looked like and you're asking me to make another stop today? Okay, that's been my reactive response. But lately, my reflective response has been, you know what, it really isn't that big a deal to stop at the store on the way home. That's usually my response now, not always. But it's this idea of taking a step back, not letting our impulse take over, because that's what we did in our old life, but in our new life we stop and we reflect on the Jesus response that we hope guides us more and more and more over time. And again, this only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and through these practices. Uh, to get into this further, we'll be in Colossians chapter 3. Today, we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 17. This is a passage I'm hoping to commit to memory. And uh, I'd encourage all of us, if you're looking for Scripture to memorize, this is a great passage to memorize that sums up our old life and our new life. And speaking of spiritual practices, this is one that I've neglected really most of my uh, Christian life is Scripture memorization. But to be able to recall on truths throughout our day, I think there's a lot of value in being able to do that. Uh, We're going to start here in verse 1. We'll stop and start along the way. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, let's make this connection between what this is saying and what we talked about in week one. Uh, Romans chapter 14, Paul says that um, the kingdom is not seen. It is uh, not meat or drink, but, but peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So to set our minds on things above is to uh, think about things that aren't seen, Um, And I want us to draw attention to when he says hearts and minds. So there's a term in psychology that um, it's it's called the cognitive triangle where you have your thoughts on one side, your emotions on one side, and then your actions. And it shows this arrow how all these things affect one another. So your your thoughts affect your actions, affect uh, your emotions, and all all this all, all the way around. And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, Hey, these things work great together. Let your thoughts impact your emotions and your actions. So your heart is on things above, your mind is on things above, and you practice spiritual practices. This is how we grow into our new life in the kingdom of God. Don't you love it when science catches up to the scriptures? Verse 3. 
For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all, uh, all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So, do you see how all of these things are are our nature, our, our impulse, our first thought, our reactive response. See, there's simply no value in these things of others, is there? There's no value placed on loving others. It's just our natural, selfish impulse taking root in our life. And I, I, do just, I don't want to go through all of these, but I do want to highlight one in particular. And it's the first one, sexual immorality. Y'all, I have seen time and time and time again sexual immorality ruin hearts and families. We have got to flee it. Paul says, put no confidence in the flesh. So he says, flee it. Run the other direction. Put no confidence in your ability to uh, actually deal with temptation because what this sin does is it lures you in it grips you, and then it has you, and then it spits you out, and it ruins your life and the life of your family. We have got to flee it. Y'all, I was talking to Morgan this week, and I said, look, there's no good reason for us to let a hint of sexual immorality in our lives. I said, if she tells me, Dallas, go have an affair, I still would not be justified in going and doing that. We've got to get away from it. No confidence in the flesh with this issue or anything else. We've got to flee it. Now, notice at the end of verse 9, Paul says practices. So underline that word, highlight that word, practices. There was a psychologist, and I tried so hard to, to find who this was, so I'm sorry I can't cite the source, but, uh, but essentially what he said is when you think a new thought, it's like you've got a machete going through a lush jungle, kind of hacking down at the path to that thought. He said the next time you think that thought, some of that path has been cleared for you, so it's a little bit easier, and you continue to hack away at it until you actually pave a path to that thought, and it's readily accessible. This is what we've been doing in our old life for so long. We have paved a path to these reactive response thoughts for so long that now it's time for us to take a step back and start to hack through that jungle again towards our new life in Christ. I know it's difficult. It's not something we're going to be able to do overnight, but we practice and we continue to meditate and dwell in the things that are good so that we can one day be able to walk a paved path to the things of Jesus. Y'all, that's, that's hashtag church goals, right? To be able to just lean in to the ways of Jesus. Verse 10. 
And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian. Y'all, I don't have time to get into this, but this is, just look this up. This is profound. Slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Again, the kingdom is not blood or tradition or regular kingdoms. It is so far transcendent, so far beyond any other kingdom that there's ever been before. I have more in common with a foreigner who loves Jesus than my neighbor in Bluff City who does not love Jesus. That's the power of this kingdom that transcends everything else. If you were here a couple Wednesday nights ago, it is a short African-American and a tall white German from the Nazi era holding each other by the arms, running a victory lap together in the face of Nazi Germany. Because why? Because this kingdom transcends all other kingdoms. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So there's an act involved here. I want us to to see and highlight the differences between how he describes our earthly nature and how he describes stepping into our new life. See, the reactive response that we talked about with the earthly nature, that takes nothing except for us just acting on what's already there. But to act in the new life, we have got to clothe ourselves with Christ. That we've got to uh, prepare ourselves to do good. To Talk about the definition of the reflective response is to stop and to consider our new life in Christ. So there's an act here. We've got to prepare ourselves to get ready to do good. And we do that by clothing ourselves with what Christ has done for us. If the heart of Jesus is compassion, then we have got to put on his compassion and we will not suddenly just be compassionate we must practice compassion and we can do that by saying starting our day and saying God just tell me who needs my help today that Jesus uh, often saw a need and was filled with compassion and then he acted what does it look like for us to start our days and say God give me your eyes to see the needs fill my heart with compassion and help me to act We've got to clothe ourselves with his kindness. And y'all, I know especially for us as men, this is difficult sometimes to affirm others. But we, but we step out, we, we hack through that jungle, and we intentionally, purposefully say kind words to others. And then it becomes hopefully more and more and more a part of what we do. We prepare ourselves with humility, Y'all, I think this is one of the things that it can really, really show the world a difference between us and what the world's doing is humility. The world wants to go and, and, and get theirs, and I've got to show my place in the world, but we take a step back and we say, no, no, how can I serve you? How can I help you? And I think for us to grow into our new life, humility has got to be at the very top of that list. And if we're struggling then we recognize the great chasm between us and God. 
I mean, the scripture talks about how we were all dead in our sins. There's no mostly dead. I mean, this is not Princess Bride. He's only mostly dead. That's not how this works. We were all dead in our sins. We reflect on these truths and it creates a humility in our hearts or gentleness. Now, Jesus only gets angry in the Gospels once that we know of. And it's because people are using the house of prayer to actually not, not invite people in to, uh, to, to have intimate moments with God, but actually to harm people, to actually cheat people out of their money. So Jesus gets angry. But aside from that, there is a whole long life of not being angry. And so outside of those righteous, angry moments, we ought to reflect a gentleness in all that we do. And patience. We must practice not responding right away, but taking a step back and being patient. Guys, this is one that for many years I've thought I'll never be able to be patient. We can become the kind of people who are patient. But it will take time, it will take practice, and it will take a Holy Spirit intervention as well. Verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, bearing with each other. Perhaps there's no greater way for us to demonstrate a difference between us and what the world's doing. To bear with one another. I mean, we live in a cancel culture, don't we? I don't like what you posted? Canceled. I don't like your secondary theological thought? Canceled. You didn't say hey to me in the lunch line? Canceled, right? But for us to actually bear with each other is to say we're going to endure together. We're going to persevere together. And there's going to be times where you're going to be frustrated with me and I'm going to be frustrated with you. But we have the bigger picture in mind that we are a family. We are in the kingdom of God. And, man, we're going to ride this thing out together. Man, that is a way to demonstrate a, a unique difference to the culture as we bear with each other. Forgiveness, this is such a wonderful thing to do. Our reactive response is to get even. But our reflective response is to say, I'm going to release you of the debt that you owe me. Why? Because that's what Christ has done. And Paul so graciously adds this right here. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. As if to say, hey, if you're struggling to forgive others, remember that the thing that that person did to you is nothing compared to what Christ has forgiven you from. Reflect on these truths and maybe start our day saying, God, who am I not in unity with and do I need to forgive somebody? Man, you'll be surprised just what God does with that. Remember week one, we talked about how if we are asking for his power, we also want to enter into his character. And one of the best ways to enter into his character is forgiveness. Verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So that word virtue is to seek after as a prize. It's like when an athlete will rearrange their whole lives to seek after that championship trophy. Paul is saying to value putting on love above everything else to make our ultimate prize to be love and see love being made manifest in our lives. 
Have you ever just stopped and recognized when God's love has shown through you and just celebrated that, man? It's, like, it's not to say, like, go tell everybody, hey, you know, I love somebody. That's not what I'm saying. But just being so excited because we've put love at such a high priority that we say, man, this is great. God has taken me from this thing here where I used to get so angry about this thing, but, but he's allowed me in my reflective response to actually now demonstrate love towards others. Man, praise God, that's awesome. Like, when do you just say, let's go, that's great, come on, right? I mean, we get so excited about games that years from now, nobody's even going to care about. But yet, when it comes to seeing love active in our lives or other people's lives, we can sometimes have a meh attitude about it. But this is everything. Paul says, if you got this thing, if you aspire to this thing and you got it, it unites everything else. May we be a people who just get pumped up about God's love being in us. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. So peace. We've got to practice, I think, silence. Silence is a great way to acquire God's peace. Silence is not nothing. Silence is the sound of God's peace entering our souls. He brings stability to our souls through silence. May we be a people who just practice having quiet spaces. And look, I know, I got three little ones. I get it. It is few and far between sometimes, okay? I get that. But we've got to prioritize it into our schedule because that's when I really think God is a gentleman, Right? He's not going to speak over all the voices that are speaking into our lives. He's going to wait until it's quiet, and then he's going to speak into our souls. May we be a people who prioritize silence in our lives. And gratitude. Man, when we practice gratitude, that's when Jesus tells us that our souls become complete. When we practice gratitude, that's when our souls become complete. It is, uh, it is not about acquiring more. It's about appreciating more. And when we sit and we reflect and we do these practices of silence, of saying the things that we're so thankful for, it begins to reorient and rewire our hearts towards the things of Christ as we move away from our reactive response and into this reflective response of Christ. Verse 16. Let the message of Christ... Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, I thought about, okay, that's pretty broad, right, to... The, the message of Christ, what is it? And I think it's best summed up in Ephesians 2 when Paul says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, but is the gift of God. To let this message dwell in us richly is to continually be reminded to put our confidence not in our own flesh, and to understand that when Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
that we embrace that truth that it is Him. It is God's Spirit in us that works, and we have got to rely on that to allow that message to dwell in our hearts day after day after day. And y'all, I think this is where Scripture memorization is going to be really helpful for us, as we can recall on the message of Christ throughout our day, even when we don't have access to the Bible or whatever the case may be. And singing with God, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Man, I, I think this church is really starting to do that. I love just hearing worship happen this morning. But not just this morning, but, and not just Wednesday night, but throughout our lives. Let worship with gratitude be so customary that we just sing it out. And y'all, I think when we first bring our praise and our gratitude to Him, we might find that we have nothing left to bring to him. Point being, now some of you may be going through some very hard things, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to diminish that. But what I'm saying, though, is when we um, are so in tune with how big God is, and we recognize all the provisions and things over our lives that the things that we were going to come to him with seem quite a bit smaller because we've brought our praise and our gratitude to him. What would it look like this week for all of us just to start our prayers with praise and gratitude and see what he does in our hearts after that? Now, you see why I'd love to commit these verses to memory. To do so would be able to recall on God's truths throughout my day, to continually access how to leave the old life of reactive responses behind and embrace this new life of reflective responses. Where do we today need to stop our reactive responses of the old life and embrace the reflective responses of the new life? Maybe there are, are things that we lack belief in that we've said, God, I know like you can do these things, you've done a lot in my life, but this thing, I don't know, it's just too much. What would it look like for us to have a little bit of belief this morning that God can move us away from this old life and embrace the new. Y'all, I want us to be a church that doesn't just run out the clock until eternity comes. That we can enter into this new life now. And through these practices, and through intentionality, and through our belief in the Holy Spirit, we say, yeah, like God, I'm going to step into these things and I'm going to live life in your kingdom to the fullest as you desired. Y'all, I believe that if we embrace these things, that we can enter into the fullness of life that he has for us. And maybe, just maybe, we don't even think about self-denial anymore. We just think about what a great new life that we have and how can we enter into it more fully. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the truth of your word that um, when we need guidance, that all we have to do is open the pages and you speak to us. Father, the great um, grace that you've given to us, we talked last week about how grace is not just an eternal thought, that it is an active thing right now, that your presence is here with us now. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you'll help us to lean into these truths Lean into these practices so that we can uh, see new life in you and living in the kingdom with you and, and have a little bit of hope that, that we don't have to be slaves to these things. 
anymore. That you have brought new life, and not only have you brought new life for eternity, but you have brought new life into our lives right now. And into the things that we've been slaves to for so long. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if there's anybody who lacks belief in, that, in those truths, I pray that you will just help us to believe. Help us to not be like kids in terms of embracing our natural impulses, but help us to be like kids in the way that we look at you in awe and wonder and say, man, my dad could do anything. Man, my father is so good. He can take this situation and he can make good out of it. Father, I pray that that's our prayer as a church. Man, that we just believe. Because God, you've shown up time and time and time and time again. You are so good to us. Father, I pray during this time of worship that if there's anybody who uh, is struggling with sin habits, man, I pray that you'll just give them a little bit of belief here this morning. Father, I pray for those kids over there. Help them during this time just to cling to you a little bit more tightly and away from the things of the world. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.